So hi, Daniel, thank you very much for joining me today. I've been a great fan of Emerge for many months now, and I'd like to start by inviting you to give some background of how you came to start Emerge. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. I'll say, first of all, that the appreciation is is definitely mutual, and it's been wonderful to be connected with you and, and to see the work that you're doing. I, I feel like we're very much a part of the same kind of global movement of consciousness. So it's it's um, always lovely to get a chance to to speak with you. Um, so yeah, emerge <laughs> started. I would say the, the the most like proximal cause was uh, I was living in a monastery in Vermont in the United States, and it was a monastery you know in the in the middle of the forest on top of a hill, as monasteries so often are, and. Uh, I, I just felt really kind of like disconnected from intellectual discourse, right? We were doing a lot of sitting. There was a lot of kind of um, spiritual inquiry, um, and that was really nourishing. But a big part of my identity was around ideas. And, um, you know, I, I, I knew that I if I was going to stay there for much longer, I needed to have an outlet for that. And... Uh, I was at the time speaking with one of my mentors, Vincent Horn, who had started a podcast that had been really influential for me called Buddhist Geeks. And it kind of just became clear like, oh, this is a way that I can reach out to people that inspire me and uh, they'll have a conversation with me for no other reason than, you know, I'm going to share it with other people. And, and it's, it, it immediately started feeling like a kind of hack because there were people that I don't think would probably give me the time of the day, you know, who were like, oh yeah, sure. I'll talk to you for an hour, hour and a half about what you're interested in. And I was like, oh really? Okay, great. <laughs> Let's do this. And, and, and yeah, so that's, that's, that's really how it started. And it was particularly a kind of uh, inquiry into like, what are these ideas? What are these methods? What are these approaches? Who are these people and organizations who are kind of path breaking a new vision of what it means to be human in this time of collapse and transition? And and that, that has been the kind of underlying uh, inquiry, I think, for me, uh, as I've, as I've done the show. Collapse and transition. Then, so when did you first uh, get some sense that we were indeed in time of of, of serious collapse of, of great transition? How far does that? How about how far back does that go? Yeah, uh, pretty pretty far back. I, I first went and lived in an intensive meditation environment, uh, a, a Goenka center. For those who are familiar, they offer these kind of donation based ten day boot camp meditation boot camps. And I went there because I was struggling to, 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 like, how should I spend my time in a world that is changing so rapidly that anything I learn, anything I do could be out of date and outmoded by the time I kind of become expert at it. And I think I was partly informed by like uh, Ray Kurzweil's book, um, the Age of Spiritual Machines, which I had gotten when I was like, I don't know, 15, 16. Uh, and it was, it, it impacted me um, and just kind of helped me get a sense of like, oh, we're in a time of rapid exponential change. Um, and what, mm. what does that mean for me as an individual? And, and so the conclusion I came to at the time was that the only thing that makes sense to do is to 
um, learn to adapt to change. And the best way, and specifically to find a, a kind of happiness that's independent of circumstances, because circumstances are going to be very unpredictable. And so mm-hmm. I dedicated myself to monastic practice. And, you know, so there was a kind of element of, of, of that element of transition, I think, even in that understanding. But then later, I got I got into like a peak oil rabbit hole, which uh, I wouldn't recommend the combination of, of contemplative practice and reading about peak oil. It's it's not necessarily <laughs> a very healthy uh, place to go. But I, I I went really deep there, and it was it was very confronting, very very confronting, and and you know just the unsustainability of our current world system became uh, very clear to me, and and. Yeah, so I think that was probably around 2011 or so, and, and I've been kind of li- dealing with the consequences of that rabbit hole. I think ever since, although I no longer worry so much about peak oil in particular. And it, I mean, maybe this is um, some of this stuff can be kind of obvious, but I think it's it can be interesting to just to highlight it um, in that. That you, you became interested in sustainability issues. Uh, I suppose that the subtext of that is be- because you believe in or you desire the perpetuation of human life of of of, mm. bio- of the biodiversity of the earth. How 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 exactly would you describe that? You know, the, the deeper motivation for having that interest in sustainability. What exactly are you seeking to sustain? It's it's a real. It's actually a really good question, and it reminds me um, my teacher at the monastery, his name is Soryu Foral, um, like even when he was very, very young, had this sense that human beings were destroying the planet. And for a long time, he actually had this idea that the solution was to was to kind of like kill humans, right? That like human mm. beings were a blight on the planet. And it was only after he got exposed to contemplative practice that he realized, no, it's actually a certain kind of dynamic within the human being that needs to be killed, right? And so this question of like, why is human humanity or civilization even worth saving, I think is actually incredibly important. And for me now, where I've sort of come to as far as how I can express it, I think I, I experience it mostly as just like a, a kind of... Uh, a care, like a, 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 a heartfelt preference for the continuance of the human experiment. But I think if I were going to put it into a, a kind of conceptual framework, it would be something like uh, there, th- there is a creative impulse woven in to the human being and woven into life itself. You know, I think words like eros or elan vital, like this kind of movement of life to perpetuate itself, is itself worth protecting, right? It is just beautiful. It's actually the source of beauty in many ways itself and and even the ability to appreciate beauty. And so for me, it it really does come down to that like emergence of life itself is, is, is is worth protecting, saving, and perpetuating. Yeah, I I enjoy contemplating this question, and as as good a, an answer I can give is um, is something like it. It is a 
it is a game, a beautiful game. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we have an opportunity with the, uh, this is a game that has diversified in, uh, in, in some exceptionally you know, complex and intricate ways. And uh, I want to see how far we can go. I want to see how, how, how complex and how beautiful this can, mm. this can get, I suppose. Um, mm. And it would seem, and it would seem uh, just, you know, a, a great shame to, <laughs> to, um, mm-hmm. to, to, go, to go back a few billion years or, or more through, you know, which is the situation we now find ourselves in with um, you know, this, this possibility of massively reducing the complexity of life on Earth. Um, yeah and yeah yeah it's um it's yeah i'm i'm I, it's I, this it, it fits with um you know notions of of the of reality as some kind of drama or, or play that you can find in various different mm. um, particularly eastern traditions i think yeah well and, and i would say that uh like that fits actually very nicely with with the answer that i i gave in that that this elon vitaler this kind of erotic impulse of life is what complexifies life right so it's this like desire mm, for that mm. complexity to continue f- hopefully for for as long as possible right it would suck if we had to if we like had to evolve back up from whatever marmots or something after we destroy the conditions for life on this planet uh, yeah totally mm. It's, but it, I mean, it's it's also pe- a peculiar thing in the sense that as uh, as far as we know, eventually, you know, all of the the suns and stars in the universe uh, shall expire. Mm. <laughs> there shall be mm. um, there shall be no there shall be no light. <laughs> there shall be no, um, yeah. you know, like uh, sources of of uh, you know low entropy that it, it exist to for anything to continue complexifying so it's it's curious that yes. as, you know we also have at some uh, this other awareness that this is uh this game is time limited um which uh makes it which mm. that for me doesn't make it any any less important and maybe maybe more important to see how how far we can get in <laughs> in in the given mm. time before uh before nothing uh, ever more grows in complexity and then you know and then who knows what happens but um thank you for that that's a that's a that's a good I like place, that. to, um, yeah, a place to begin for me at least but um mm. so let's let's get on to talking about um the podcast emerge and uh, so you, you, I like how you described it as a hack, <laughs> and yeah, I've, I've started mm. to encounter a similar thing. There's um, the, you know, all sorts of, of interesting doors open if you say, oh, "Yes, I, I run a podcast, of course," rather than just like, "Please, will you talk to me, important person?" Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> uh, and it, I mean, and, in, and indeed, you've uh, you you've had some some really top <laughs> guests on on the show. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and people like I think the first episode that I listened to was the one with Jordan Greenhall in, in April. Um, I, you, you've, from my point of view, you've got a good, uh, you have a good sense for the, the guests that you're inviting on because I, for me, Jordan Greenhall, you know, popularity and relevance is is exploding, and I and I guess you will, um, you were one of the people that <laughs> uh, first gave him a, 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 his ideas a platform, I, I suppose. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, can you maybe speak a little bit first about how it is you decide which guests to invite on the show, 
and and when is it is this uh do you have a particularly you know so some strategic process for this or is it really just like whoever has the time that given week or, or something of a balance mm. yeah it's it's a kind it's a it's a um that shifts or or is shifting um has shifted uh has been shifting and is continuing to shift as like the dynamics of the show change right so at the beginning i had to really like uh, target specific kind of people, I think, that weren't too popular to come on a show that had like one episode or two episodes. And, you know, I have, you know, nobody, uh, unless I knew them already, would have any reason to come on. Uh, but mm-hmm. now uh, people are coming, and it's really weird. People are like coming to me asking to be mm-hmm. on the show, which kind of shifts mm-hmm. the dynamic, right? Before I had to ask people to come on, and now I actually have to say no. To people, mm. which I'm not as comfortable with, I don't like doing as much. Um, and so, what 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 I've ended up doing now, and I'm in a different position than usual, is I have a, a large backlog of episodes. I'm actually mm. releasing two at a, two every week, or at least for a little while, two a week, um, to 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 uh, get them out there. And and I am thinking quite strategically, like kind of thematically, about the release. Uh, mm. uh, you know, wanting to. Because I think part of what really drives me, part of what's really interesting to me, is is this kind of the intersections between these incredible people and the incredible work that's being done. Mm-hmm. And so having somebody like uh, Indra Adnan and then Richard Bartlett, right, in the same week, kind of juxtaposing their perspectives, I think is just so fascinating, right? Because mm-hmm. on the one hand, here's somebody who's proposing something that you know, is, is just a very sophisticated, in my world, understanding of the work that needs to be done. And it's like very persuasive, I, I find. And then, you know, four days later, you have somebody who's who's gone a completely different path, kind of motivated by the same questions. And yet, they too are very persuasive, like, oh, this is clearly worth dedicating your life to. And it's like, oh, interesting. How do how do we make sense of how there's so much work to be done? So many people completely dedicated to this incredible work. Like, how do we hold all of that? Um, and and yeah, so it's uh, I, I am being more strategic now, for sure. Well, that, well, that's a great question, actually. How how do we hold all of that? Because uh, I mean, I relate to the fact in you know, every episode I can listen, <laughs> I can you know, I can I can listen to it and think yeah. this, you know, this is it. This is the answer. Okay, the answer yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> The answer is hollow. The answer is native. The answer is like a deeper understanding of sovereignty, or you know, the answer is metamodernism. But so, do you have do you have a similar kind of like bouncing from one thing to the other, and um, and and how are you holding all of these new and you know, you know important ideas in relation to one another? Yeah, it's, uh, I I don't know that I have a very good answer to that question. I think for me, it's something that I've struggled with a lot and i my sense is that the the um that what the 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 opportunity the invitation is to to kind of see the people who are doing the things and and notice what's in common between all the people and then become the kind of person who's capable of doing the thing that you're you're to do Right, because mm-hmm. it's so easy, I think, at least for me, to get lost in yeah the 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 uh, cornucopia of insanely cool stuff that's happening on the planet right now <laughs> as we kind of respond to the potential of existential collapse, and it's like, 
oh, wow, you know, once you start to actually look and your eyes start to adjust to the kind of scene, it's like, oh, my God, there's so many people who have been dedicating their entire lives to this like weird, perfect solution. And mm. maybe I want to become that kind of person, too. And so it's it's more I think on, on the good days, I treat it as an invitation to become my unique contribution on my bad days, I feel overwhelmed and like there's just like I'm too late to the game or like I should have become a programmer or whatever. Right. So yeah, I go back and forth. <laughs> so do you think um, clearly the, the various ideas that you feature on the podcast, you know, can, and technologies um, related to one another, do you think there's something in common or, or what is it uh, uh, that the, the people themselves have in common? The, the the people or the ideas the yeah the people is there is there something about the different people like a, maybe a, a fee is it a feeling that you get um, yeah that yeah um, or some uh, you know yeah. some some way of having conversations yeah there is actually and i talked about this with max borders um on the i think it might have been after the episode i did with him but he has this conception of uh, of people who are what he calls holists, H-O-L-I-S-T-S, uh, holists. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that people who start to kind of like feel their way into that relationship to life, it's possible to have a kind of conversation that's not possible to have with uh, what, what would be the par partists, you know, people who are kind of like fully into their part. And so mm -hmm. there might be a different quality of conversation. My, 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 my sense otherwise, though, is that th these are people who have connected deeply with a care for, um, uh, their, for, for life, you know, and what we were talking about at the beginning, like that there's some kind of deep care and motivation to be of service in this particular time in an appropriate way that meets the mm -hmm. complexity of the world. Um, in a kind of non-ideological and pragmatic way, and that that care, if 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 actually like uh, um, embraced, and and you know, uh, if you go through all the existential crises that it inevitably makes you encounter, I think you become the kind of person that I interview on the show, mm. perhaps. At least that's how I like to think about it. Yeah. Have you ever thought of? interviewing people featuring people that you have a sense that you probably will disagree with them on some pretty major issues but you know nevertheless there's something about them that you think is is interesting because i mean generally the conversation is is very convivial right and you and you're um you're appreciating each other's contributions um but yeah, or can or can you know, can you imagine a time where um you are reaching out to people where it feels a little bit more uncomfortable It's, it's a good question, you know. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think the, 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 the form of conversational style that I've been using is a kind of appreciative inquiry. And I think that there's a um, specific benefit now to that kind of conversation. I think a lot of, there are other spaces in which there's more confrontational dialogue happening, but I would, I would love to go on an exploration of how to 
have conflict in a way that, you know, actually takes us someplace useful. Um, and there would have to be a particular kind of conflict, a particular kind of person. I don't know. What do you, th- what do you think? I, what's your, I, what's your thought on that? I mean, I don't, it's not conflict so much. I'm not, I'm not sure I was suggesting conflict, but, um, it just, I mean, how it's framed before, if these are all people that have, you know, deep regard for life or something and that, uh, I think it's, um, it can be tempting to think often our, you know, often our political adversaries, if you like, or people in different parts of the political spectrum as usually spoken about, um, you know, don't have that same regard. And I think actually that's often a mistake once you actually start speaking to them. And uh, there are uh, there are intelligent people in, in many tribes, and maybe we'll come on to this idea of tribes um, in a second, um, that, uh, that in their own way, uh, you know, are, are totally convinced that what they're doing is is the the best possible thing to f- for the f- continued flourishing of of life on Earth or something like this. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's I think there's very few people that are like you know uh, are, are aware or are motivated by the thought that they are fucking shit up. Uh, you know, they're, pro- they're yeah they probably they probably exist, but mostly people, um, you know, it's uh, do have good intentions is that, is, is that do you think that's true yeah I, I, I yeah i do think i think that's that's true yeah yeah mm. um, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, go on go on so uh this uh, yeah just so on our on our chat before the call we, we mentioned this uh this recent piece on memetic tribes uh which uh, I've seen, you know, several people have, have posted it. It's really made, um, you know, a bit of a splash. Um, and well, can I can I put it to you to um, to explain something about that that paper and why it made an impact on you? Yeah, I can I can try to uh, say a little bit about it. Um, my, the, so this is called, an article, I think, called Mimetic Tribes and Culture War 2.0. I uh, forget the name of the author. Peter Peter Limburg, I think I connected with. Uh, he's one of the authors. Uh, and so this this paper is, is essentially attempting to map out the uh, mimetic tribes that are articulating their positions on the internet. And he organizes them according to certain things like their teleology, like what what do they want to achieve or what are they going towards? And then also detailing like their tribal chieftains, like, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it, I, I think we've all been, or, or those of us who have been paying attention have seen the emergence of various mimetic tribes, but to see them all like listed out together. And he even created a spreadsheet, right? Where he kind of like, it puts them in relationship to each other more or less. And you can, you can quickly read through, you know, whatever 30 tribes, mimetic tribes and really get a sense of the terrain of the culture war, so to speak, or this culture war 2.0, as he calls it. And um, yeah, I I just found it to be really uh, uh, um, striking and, and, and inspiring too, like uh, to think of ourselves in this kind of meta way, right? It's, it is a kind of meta move, um, no matter what tribe you're in, to see yourself 
laid bare or your tribal affiliation laid bare in this way mm. in relationship with all these other tribal affiliations. No matter what you like, even to admit that there are other tribes, there's right. a kind of destabilizing of the of the isolation, I think, in that. Yeah. So I really appreciate it. I think yeah. I think it's true that, you know, uh, the uh, the most simple model you might say is is the whole you know red red pilling thing and indeed he does he talks about um that idea and and comes up with this new term gray pilling in the article doesn't he but um this th- this uh, for many tribes they've they've liked to see it as you know um there's there's us and them and um there's right. there's we're the ones that have some new and special perspective on reality and everyone else is you know like isn't there yet and um this is a move to say actually uh, there are a whole bunch of people that do have some kind of new and imp- potentially important, potentially you know useful, beneficial uh, view onto reality, um, and um, it isn't as and, and it's and it's time to start appreciating one another. I guess is 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 you know yeah. something you can get from that paper and 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 uh, or, or, or at least yeah and at least exploring the possibility of. Of like of alliances, if you like, between yeah, <laughs> tribes, yeah. um, and this is—I mean, it's, well, and, and so part. But in the first, please, well, the first move though is is to reveal our tribal affiliations, right? And so I'm curious, Stephen, if you want to, if you want to, uh, you know, name <laughs> name your affiliations. Where, where do you see yourself in this kind of culture war and this meta mm-hmm. tribes? Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, it's. I, 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 <laughs> I, I people talk about a, a, you know a global psychedelic community now, and uh, given my work with the psychedelic society, that's uh, I clearly have um, yeah like a, a foot in that camp. There's uh, the meta modernists, and um, as you know, similar p- and, and they might but potentially somewhat distinct from the integral theorists, but of um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something there, and I mean, and my from my my background, um, well, my background is in on the progressive left, and um, I, mm. you know, it wasn't so long ago I was reading uh, sort of anarcho-communist texts and being inspired by people like Murray Bookchin and so on, and I think some of that. That DNA mm. sort of still remains. Um, uh, nice. How about you? Yeah. I, well, so I, I didn't really identify with any tribe until I read this article, and then I was pleased to see that there was, you know, um, two two tribes that I feel like I more or less belong to or, or play in are the uh, integral theorists, and I would, I think, um, kind of. Uh, put metamodern the metamodern movement in the tribal container you know obviously in a lot of these memetic tribes there's kind of many divisions within them mm-hmm. um and uh, part of i think the the, the 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 kind of controversial violence of the list is perhaps even just naming giving a name giving one name right so the other tribe that mm-hmm. i kind of identify <laughs> with is the post rationalist which mm-hmm. this tribe uh, you know has uh, for 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 good reasons i think cannot settle on a name right so there's post rationalist there's meta systematic there's fluid mode there's uh you know uh, meta rational there's so many different ways of framing it but yeah. They, he, I like that he just said, like, you're post-rational. I'm like, okay, 
Mm-hmm. Great. And so, yeah, those are the two tribes that I, I most identify with. It, it, it makes me think and uh, links up with some of the stuff you're talking to Jake from Native about um, where and mm. it, where he had this suggestion that in the future, each each tribe will have its own currency, its own token, its own way of, of um, exchanging value. And that to, mm. to, to understand someone's tribal affiliations, we absolutely, you know, may at some point be absolutely clear by which currencies they're holding or or choosing to spend. Um, And I, uh, I think that's, um, I I think there could well be some truth in that, that may, that this, this idea may um, really become more and more concrete over the coming years. um, If we do have, uh, I, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think I, th- I think so. I think um, like but, uh, uh, that the the degree to which tribes can start to like uh, network together in new ways that afford them more coordinating power is going to be a huge differentiator in culture war 2.0, as they call it, or or just the kind of unfolding of our cultures. Is like uh, you know if you know the tea, the difference between the the tea party and the info warriors or whatever is the tea party got hella organized and actually influenced american government very quickly right but the info warriors are kind of more inward looking and they just buy supplements from uh, whoever that crazy guy on you know fox news is uh, <laughs> alex alex jones that's right that's who he is um, but you know the the opportunity that i see that's most exciting to me in this paper is that we name our tribal affiliation and then find the others this is a way to do what douglas rushkoff you know often says like find the others like who are the people who are in your tribe and like what can we do together to kind of like do what like accomplish our teleology better mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's just name it. Be like open about it, and actually uh, start to coordinate and do cool stuff. Mm. And maybe make a currency. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of you know it's uh, different. Uh, you know, altcoins uh, can have can have really tribal followings already. Uh, people totally. that you know will will not touch Bitcoin and will absolutely only spend Ethereum or whatever it might be, and it's really just. Uh, uh, the moment that's uh you know that's really confined to quite a you know a kind of nerdy niche if you like or kind of all happening like within a particular tribe if you like if if we can consider the crypto community as a kind of you know tribe that's emerged or like a, a people that are like have a real belief in that as mm-hmm. as a uh as a, as a you know an important technology um but this uh yeah but i suspect we will see uh this you know tokens and, and value starting to be exchanged or become a relevant factor to, to many different tribes and it's going to be interesting to see and um how that yeah. how that works and and you know and, and they'll there'll be uh, exchange rates between tribes between the tokens of different tribes in the way that <laughs> there are exchange rates between the um the currencies of different nation states right now and in and and i guess you know the, these are the new nation states no or like <laughs> the, the the nation state is dying um you know borders mm. are, are it's well a curious thing that you know there's a there's an attempt to enforce them more and more but one can have the sense that ultimately it is it is futile and um we are moving to a kind of uh, post geographical era where the the you know your affiliations in in the context of these tribes will matter much more than what uh, than the passport 
that you have. Does, does that resonate with you? Does that inspire anything? Do, yeah, I, it does. And, and um, it's definitely a kind of trajectory that I see. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's hard to say. I hope I, I, I got. I was very inspired by Max Border's book. I, 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 I th- you read that too, right? The I social have, yeah. singularity. Um, yeah, uh, that is very well articulated. I think in that book, this kind of idea of moving towards a poly state where there's, yeah, it's like non-geographical uh, institutions that serve many of the same roles as governments. And yeah, perhaps one of the first things that will happen is this kind of. Cur- uh, uh, pouring forth of, of currencies uh, mm. or, or near one of the first. I mean, it will have to happen to coincide with this kind of new level of coordination. But yeah, it's, 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 uh, I, I hope so. I hope so. I hope that we can find a way to empower these tribes. But I also hope that we can do it in an anti rivalrous mm. way, to use Jordan Greenhall's terms, such that, you know, it's not just the rationalists over here kind of taking over the world, but there's a sense of shared responsibility and that the flourishing of any group is connected and intertwined with the flourishing of all groups. I think that it, with whatever infrastructure we build, I, I hope that it um, is a s- systemic solution to that kind of problem because mm-hmm. otherwise uh, we're probably going to reproduce similar dynamics that have gotten us to this place. Yeah. I mean, to, uh, mentioned tokens and currencies but you know very probably those um there will be systems of of organizing that uh are linked to those those tokens and actually recently i only recently found out about dow stack uh through through you did you you mention it on a recent podcast and maybe i saw you post something about it on on facebook but um i was uh, yeah hollow uh, Hollow was already on my radar and hollow chain um mm-hmm. and uh but it's it's very interesting to me that uh there this there are clearly several very talented teams of people all trying to do some quite similar things in in terms of uh it's you know c- well creating the kinds of platforms that would now would enable what you know, Jordan Greenhall you know is calling these sockies is self-organizing collective intelligences to to really function mm-hmm. at scale and, and yeah, have, how how do you, how's that going to turn out? And and are, are there any particular technologies or platforms uh, that uh, you're excited by, or or maybe as do you have like a cri- criteria by which we can judge whether is something something is worth being excited by? Uh, no, I have no such criteria. Unfortunately, I, I I wish I did. I feel like it's just too soon to know. I think it's just, mm-hmm. it's an extremely interesting space. I also. Um, believe that our, you know, what will it look like? I think it's a good idea to turn to science fiction, you know, books like um, Damon by Daniel Suarez. Uh, mm-hmm. I read it many years ago before DAOs were really a thing, but it, it is very much a kind of study of like what could happen if we really implement these distributed technologies of human coordination. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm following DAOstack, I'm following Holochain, I'm following Colony, uh, native, but it's, it's, you know, I think one thing that I've learned following the crypto space, like I got really into the crypto (laughs) space for a number of months, you know, is that it's just so hard to tell, uh, the signal from the noise. Mm. And it's so hard to tell who has the right kind of positioning or orientation. What I'm really excited for is like the next generation when DowStack and Holochain and Colony and all these folks kind of release their version, you know, 
1.0 or whatever, uh, and then turn around and, and see each other. Yeah. Right. And start to see, oh, like this is what we can start putting that component over here. And all of a sudden there's some kind of like, you know, a uh, uh, big leap that is can yeah. be accomplished very quickly by by sort of combining these technologies that people have been furatively working mm. on with lots of capital. And so, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know where it's going, but I like I like the feeling of it. That's for I, sure. Hopefully it's going to an anti-rivalrous future. Hopefully it's going to an anti-rivalrous yeah. future. I, I think this is actually... a powerful story a powerful frame one that is uh you know a weapon against pessimism um this idea that yes, yes. we are faced with uh ex- you know uh exponentially uh more difficult problems to solve in you know be they climate change or or handling the threat of nuclear war or or you know biological terrorism and things like this but uh there is the possibility now of of becoming also exponentially more intelligent or, or you know exponentially better at dealing with these risks and uh that it's uh, i think for for many people it's like ah okay i see because the, the, it's the it's 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 the the part of this story that is we you know we face almost overwhelming you know potentially insurmountable challenges is is i think increasingly well embedded in um mm. in society but uh and uh, i think many people are hmm that you know there can be this like vague hope that oh oh you know technology will save us um for some but this is um uh this this fills it out a bit and uh, make, makes people understand how everyone could be involved. That you know the, the, that this isn't just going to be the Silicon Valley elite, uh, you know, flying mm. like uh, shacking up in New Zealand whilst the world goes up in flames. <laughs> this is this is technology yeah. that actually you, you, could enable mass participation in in us all pooling our our intelligence. And I think that's uh, there's some there's potentially a powerful yes. story to be. Uh, spread more widely around that, and it will, and for sure, it, it will greatly help once we actually have some of these in some alpha versions or more alpha versions of these <laughs> things live. And um, yeah. let's let's yeah. let's hope they work. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I hope uh, they work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's my that's my sense too, Stephen. Is that like in all these conversations that the 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 the, the, the these DAOs are articulating the clearest, most pragmatic, most reasonable and seemingly uh, possible solution to you know what Yuval Noah Harari calls like the three main challenges of our civilization right now nuclear mm-hmm. war climate change and exponential technology it's like those are all coordination problems right those are all issues of us being unable to sort of coordinate this massive 8 billion strong human organism in a way that can protect itself from you know actors and agents who are you know acting out of alignment with the whole for whatever mm. reason and so and so it's it's yeah it seems like in this direction lies hope in a way mm. and i think that yeah it's partly the story of um the development and the funding and the exploration of like these DAOs. and i hope that governments will start to see their importance and start to like put in billions of dollars to their development you know hopefully with 
the right underlying ethos because mm-hmm. uh, you know China probably understands you know with their social credit system is a kind of a DAO, right? They're organizing their culture uh, with certain incentive structures that it's mm-hmm. and, and and that's quite that's quite terrifying. And so um, the the. Yes, there's this story of of more sophisticated human coordination, but alongside that needs to be like a, a human story of like what are we coordinating on behalf of? Like, what is it? Mm. Why <laughs> coordinate? Is it is it for mm. dear leader and for the benefit of our nation, or is it for some mm. kind of hopefully deeper, broader, more beautiful, uh, more meaningful kind of shared objective? Yeah, I want to um, take a little turn into this idea of. Um, anti-rivalry and um mm-hmm. this idea that, that or, you know, what jordan greenhill calls game b this uh there is a possibility that we can step into a future where we we no longer compete with one another we longer no longer have to compete with one another um uh, it available information and knowledge of humanity is is shared freely and leading to some kind of abundant, superabundant uh, state for for humanity. Now, it's to I guess the question is: to what extent are you already right now uh, living, uh, you know, in an anti-rivalrous paradigm, or uh, is it is it important for those of us that are now, have become aware of? this this these possible dynamics to 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 start living it if you like and to to you know to already be uh sharing everything we have freely to or you know to to start practicing mm-hmm. um the uh, and stepping into the that, the world which we uh which we know is uh no uh, see is possible uh, how how is that playing out in in your 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 personal life and, and decisions that you're making mm. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful question. Um, I think, I, yeah, I feel like uh, to a certain degree, that's, that's how I and many other people who I talk to have gotten to where they are is they're already living into that future. And mm. now we're kind of developing these conceptual frames for understanding like more clearly and more, I think, persuasively, like what that future could and should look like. Um, or can look like. And yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I remember talking with Richard Bartlett, who we both know, and, and you know, he's uh, created this company called The Hum that sort of teaches people what it takes to be effective in horizontal organizations or, or, or less hierarchical organizations. Um, and it turns out, like, what does it take? It takes a certain level of empathy and sovereignty and kindness and, like, awareness and all of these qualities that, you know, are also what is being brought back by, I think, in a way that the, the psychedelic movement and the movement of meditation. Like, there's this kind of uh, care for the whole that in an anti-rivalrous situation becomes a successful strategy but in a rivalrous situation actually ends up being not not a very good personal survival strategy or often not a very good personal survival strategy and so uh, i mean i'm all i'm i'm increasingly all in right like i am living <laughs> as if this anti-rivalrous future is inevitable right and and uh partly that's because i dipped my toe in and then i like it was like okay this feels okay it's a little bit challenging in some ways and then i put my leg in and, and you know on and on and on and now it feels like 
well, I hope this works, <laughs> you know, because mm. otherwise I'm not really sure, you know, what's going to happen. And I, and I think there's some beauty to, to having our skin in the game in that way, actually. I think it actually yeah. ups the ante in, in an important way. What's the, what do you think? What do you think? Man? I think I think like you you're 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 doing it too. I think. Like, what's your sense of that? <laughs> quote that I came across: uh, "Leap and the net will appear." Um, mm. that, that that recently resonated with me. Um, but actually, I mean, the where this is going for me, what this is making me think is, um, um, is. I mean, this. Hmm. In my experience through making these decisions to. Uh, anti-rivalrous decisions if you like decisions based on on pure uh, generosity and compassion of, of, of giving they strange and wonderful things seem to happen <laughs> in in ways that i mm-hmm. i I can't always uh, I almost feel scared to to put into words actually because it's almost like by by attempting to talk about it I might uh, break the spell if you like um, mm. but it's hmm. and on one on one level it's simply that hmm, if you're th- this uh, this kind of behavior is is just so so much more rewarding that uh even even if things in a practical material sense you know don't t- turn out well or don't turn out as well at least you're kind of still left thinking i did the right thing and i'm still you know i'm 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 proud that i'm part of you know this movement attempting to move humanity into this um into this kind of future, into this, and into what what could be, what would be a, uh, a world of abundance, uh, mm-hmm. and um, but and then and then there are, I am attracted to more uh, kind of esoteric uh, notions mm-hmm. of what might be going on also, and I, I've I've been mm. uh, I've been yeah I've been truly fascinated by the um by the amount of attention that has uh, fallen on this idea of meme magic because mm. um, yeah. I, I i so i had a, uh, an exceptionally strong lsd trip actually the strongest lsd trip i've ever had to this point probably two years ago now and the main effect of that lsd trip was to st- almost overnight stimulate an interest in in like magic of the kind of esoteric mm. variety um mm. which was really quite unexpected for me like um and particularly this this branch of magic called chaos magic and i was mm. quite like uh shy quite nervous about it for a little while because i thought it was still pretty i thought it was pretty out there um mm. and, 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 then, and then to my like absolute you know, surprise and, and to, to honestly, like somewhat, um, 
there's some kind of feeling of of, of pleasure of, of maybe even a sort of like vindication um to hear uh, some thinkers that i truly you know truly respect um including jordan green who like talk about some of this stuff and in a in a serious way was um yeah, it was was really quite something, and mm. so uh, I'll, I'll, let me put the question to you then. So, ma- magic, like what, what's your, uh, what, <laughs> what's what, up with what, magic? What, yeah. what's, up, what's up with magic, Daniel? What's your what, what now? Get you like one way, whether whether we like it or not. Like this, somehow we we're, we're hearing more about it. We're hearing more yeah. about these ideas. Um, I don't, yeah. Did you did you did you read the like the four the four part? series a very long series oh, yeah. of articles um oh yeah actually, on the I actually just last week yeah just last week interviewed john michael greer about that series because <laughs> it was so so rad uh but yeah 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 uh oh okay. I, I yeah i've, so I've what, fallen so, into so, the so, chaos so, magic so what's so, so what's up with magic then you <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean i so i am not a magician right uh but but that's what they not say. Yeah. yeah but but um it cannot be denied that the way we look at the world affects the world we find right and that's that's like straight mm. up just buddhism right that's like pared down even secular buddhism right like you will discover a new world by adjusting the way you look right and that can be taken to very, very interesting places. And I think with a proper understanding, we, we, we understand like what are advertisers doing when they make logos, mm-hmm. right? How is that not sigil magic? Tell yeah. me how that's not sigil magic. And, and <laughs> we can, you know, <laughs> I haven't heard a good argument for it not being sigil magic. I think the, the, the deal is, is mm-hmm. that most people have a very strange idea of what magic is. And then like when you hear words like magic, they just go like, oh, that is ridiculous but if Mm. you kind of take a more sophisticated picture of it it's like oh we're actually all already you know uh doing a form of magic all in any case so you know why not become a little bit more sophisticated on it and and yeah um, i mean i found myself recently playing a lot more with intentions and trying to like Mm -hmm. you know empower my intentions in a very like mild-mannered way but like why not you know, at, at, yeah. the, at the end, <laughs> why not? So I, I, and I, I, it's clearly I, I, having some kind of, yeah, yeah. Go, go on, go on. For, I, for, I'm done talking. For people that may not be so familiar with this field, then like one definition of, of magic in this sense, or, or, or chaos magic would be the the conscious manipulation of of belief to achieve desired will or desired intention. Uh, that mm. is, is the, the, the belief is is a tool or can, or can be a tool and we are we are right. we can uh, choose to you know very consciously uh, uh you know change our own beliefs uh for for specific purposes to um to to achieve to have specific effects to it sort of achieve um specific tasks and things like this and yeah. there is uh well in in and it, it, it very often goes with the idea of ritual um yeah very often yes. what to 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 a in a more or less uh and those rituals can be more you know can be more or less grand some of them might be absolutely you know totally simple may even may simply even occur in in mind if you like there's but but and some other rituals may have 
maybe very elaborate and can involve uh, all kinds of interesting sort of physical activity and, and, and smells and, and tastes and colors and candles and who knows what, but um, yes. it's, uh, it's so, so I think I, th- I, 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 I thought, and even in other areas that, um, that, that the loss of ritual of rituals in society is of real significance. And uh, that mm-hmm. I think one, one interesting uh you know something interesting that's happening in, in this resurgence of interest in magic is is people becoming more comfortable with the idea of ritual again um which feels to me potentially uh very significant yeah so maybe i'll open the space up to ask yeah. you what's what your relationship to to, to, to ritual is yeah sure so uh, one thing i want to say is just name the kind of parallel between chaos magic and like meta rationality that whole world or post rationality Mm -hmm. by which you know it's not just so so one way is looking at chaos magic is like kind of instrumentalizing beliefs right going kind of saying like oh if i adopt this belief um i can actually affect the world in some Mm -hmm. way um and with meta rationality or post rationality and this is kind of like the work of rob berbea that i've been getting really into we can make the same move with like our metaphysics right so what Mm -hmm. is it like to live in a world in which i believe in or or which i act as if god exists right Mm -hmm. or that i act as if there is a divine will pulling me forward through time and and towards something right to almost like reverse temporal causality not because Mm -hmm. it's true but perhaps because it's meaningful or interesting, right? That, it, that, mm-hmm. that, that we can actually orient according to what is most meaningful and what's most interesting. And so for me, that has opened up the whole space of ritual, right? Mm-hmm. Like what, what, what can I do to amplify the meaningfulness, the heartfulness, the, the like beauty and depth of this moment? Well, you know, humans have been developing ritual for, for, partially towards that end for, 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 you know, uh, a long, long time. And I think that that quality of co-creating an, a kind of subjunctive or as if world together is extremely mm. powerful. If we want to, you know, if we want to inquire together about how we can create a new world, well, you know, like, you know, there's, there's this conceptual clarity that people like Jordan, I think are really bringing now, um, but there's also a kind of like embodied alignment and coherence that we can perhaps enact partly through ritual. Of course, even saying conceptual frames, having conversations like this, you know, we can see as a kind of ritual that hopefully is building a kind of as if coherence. We're postulating this anti-rivalrous world, you know, and saying like, oh, we should go towards that, right? And there's a kind of even in that move, a sort of invitation to uh, act as if to 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 uh, ritualize our movement into a new future. I think, and so it's really rich for me. I think it's a really beautiful exploration. Yeah, I, I'm attracted by that idea that um, uh, that we can create space. And I think to, you know, the, actually, these spaces already exist at, at best. Burning yeah. Man and sort of Burning Man inspired events are are exactly rituals of this sort of step. You know, it's yeah. stepping into this um, this abundant anti rivalrous future. Like one of the principles is is no commerce or, 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 or gifting. Um, everything there's no money in these places. Everything is is simply you know is given away, and uh, they 
maybe it's maybe it's worth uh, learning from that, or acknowledging that um, it it isn't it isn't very easy to, to sort of make this this shift uh, into to, you know to, towards game B or to start living from this place of game B, but it becomes a hell of a lot easier in the context of of ritual of and of of, of, of and, and community actually. Yeah, um, yes. and. Uh, there's uh, that's I mean there's uh, well have you ever been to Burning Man? I have not. No, no, it's um, not not me. Um, but and it's clear that there's um, you know there's a lot of bullshit tied up with it nowadays. Um, but there's uh, the the fact it's become such a um, many many people have at least heard about it now and or, and yes. I, and i think of um uh, it's, it's, and i think it's it's the interest in it is 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 for that reason this kind of this this craving for mm. um for for spaces to to come together to to, to co-create to 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 and i and, and possibly at this moment in history to to process our grief i had a, an interesting mm. conversation this morning about about you know, co-created rituals of, of, of grief, of, of just being almost yes. the, the prereq- prerequisite to doing anything useful on the rapidly mm. deteriorating, um, you know, e- ecosphere to, is, uh, to, to say simply, wow, we're in a f- really fucking bad situation, mm. but like in a, in a, in a, in a really like, you know, particular, a particular time and place and particular intention in, in doing that rather than this 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 scattered fear and distress um which mm. seems to be where we're at right now so um have you is, have you mm. ever participated in any in any like grief rituals or anything of this sort i have i have actually i've i've been trained in uh the work of somebody named joanna macy and she has this uh-huh. uh, approach called the work that reconnects Mm-hmm. And the purpose is to create the kind of people who can take responsibility for the world at this time and and, and uh, uh, kind of like step, I think it's step one or step two. It's been many years since I was trained, but step one or step two is to do this work of grief, right? To acknowledge <laughs> how devastating it is that we're destroying the planet and to actually connect mm-hmm. with that. Because, you know, if you can't, or the I think the hypothesis is, is that everybody has that inside of them if they're willing Mm. to go there and reveal it. And on the other side Mm. of that grief is the willingness to take action. Mm. And, and there's something extremely beautiful about that. And, and what I found was that, you know, uh, uh, after doing even a little bit of this kind of grief work and getting in touch with it, I could read articles as hard, it's hard. I would read articles about like, oh, the, the, the penguin population is collapsing and it would just cut me. Like it would really, mm. it would really impact me like to the point of, you know, of bringing me to tears. And it, and, it, and it had me then kind of evaluate my relationship to information and it was difficult, but, you know, I'd rather be connected with that grief than, than totally numb to it for sure. A hundred percent, a million times over. Yeah. But I, I appreciate you bringing that up. It's very beautiful. Yeah, I think you're you're right. There's something on the other side that it's uh, the, the it's the very fact that these mm, or, or 
key part of this process as i understand it is you know it's done in community and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's we we understand that we are <laughs> we are each other's best hope or something like this that yeah yes things are in a bad way but it's um but through the possibility of of collaboration and and new forms of collaboration based on you know, on on deep values that we might find a way forwards and um yeah i yeah. Yeah, I, 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 this, this, uh, we've reached the one hour mark now, so um, I, I, I won't take us on too much further. But I, uh, I want to say a, a, a really <laughs> deep thank you for the work that you've yeah. you've done with Emerge, um, and for for inspiring me and and helping me, yeah, um, for giving me hope for um, mm. that. There are people all over the world with all sorts of amazing ideas that um, are not only uh, great fun to contemplate and to speak about, but might actually make a difference in uh, helping us move to a fundamentally different kind of world economic system and so on that is that is you know, life-affirming, life-sustaining and... and uh gives the possibility that the story of life can continue to complexify and increase in, in beauty mm-hmm. in, in manifold ways. So mm-hmm. really, thank you very much for that. And I, I sincerely hope you continue doing what you're doing. Uh, and I will continue mm-hmm. uh, being one of your, your your biggest fans, if that's not too much of a cliche. But, um, thank you. And I hope also in time that more and more people start doing this because it's, I mean, on a technological level, it's pretty damn simple, right? Like I'm sitting That's here with just my, my, my normal laptop. I did buy like a, like a 30 quid microphone now, but it's not too hard to get this going. So, and there are so many uh, people who, are, you know, I, some I know well, some who I know less well, who, I would just love to hear what they think on, 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 on you know on some of these on some of these topics sure surely everyone has an opinion uh, you know some of them might have to sort of dig a little bit deeper than others on uh on <laughs> on some of these uh on, on these issues of these you know uh, that that uh, affect all of humanity and i think we're going to need everyone's ideas and everyone's creativity um to yes. to get through so but so before so before we have uh before we have something like dow stack or hollow to all kind of like magically mm-hmm. uh coordinate our activity i think maybe like the uh the world of podcasts might be like a <laughs> our current uh you know one of our current best hopes and best options for like just starting to work out what each other think and how we can work together nice nice yeah i, I totally agree and i think that you know, picking up on this idea of, of ritual, like one of the beauties of, of, of doing this work in community is the way that we can serve as, as mirrors for each other, right? Like, you know, it's one thing for me to do this podcast out of my own and, and kind of, but it's another thing for you to then mirror it back to me, the impact that it's having on you and such that I see myself through your eyes as this kind of person that you describe. And, you know, I would extend the same thing to you. I see you as somebody, you know, working on behalf of a more beautiful future. And and like that, we can kind of, there is a, there is the possibility as more and more people, I think, begin to step up and participate, not just in listening, but in creating um, for a kind of infinite hall of mirrors that will bootstrap a new if you, a new sense of ourselves, right? Which again is what ritual, I think, 
can accomplish is it can just we act as if we are the people we've been waiting for and partly that's when we show up for each other and and, and reveal how we've impacted each other and so uh, you know this I, I would extend the same gratitude to you i think the work that you've done and just the the the, the conversations that we've had so far have been have been beautiful and touching and, and it reveals to me that hey people are actually like listening and getting something from this and and it's landing somewhere and that inspires me to go further and to keep going and so uh yeah thank you Stephen, for all that you do too I guess I'm only uh, just coming to terms with the fact that like you can speak to people on a podcast more than once <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to just be like, oh, it, does, it doesn't just have to be like, okay, tick done that person onto the next. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm super excited that um, this conversation uh, may keep going between us and you know the others in this community for, for some time ahead. And uh, we can look back on these episodes, uh, you know, what, 20, 30 years into the future, um, yeah. in our <laughs> in our in our ecological super super abundant utopia and thing okay sweet yeah exactly we got there or something let's see um okay mm-hmm. great thank you so much for your time daniel have a great day thank you